Over the past several years, God has been calling my attention to some things. <clears throat> and it seems like right now they're starting to come to come to a head for me and come to be something where I'm, I'm able to see. Sometimes, sometimes God has to break through what we think we know so that we can know what he's saying now. And there's, this is all described, I've mentioned this before, but it's all described in Hebrews where, where the writer says that there, there's forms and practices that hold us in place and give us definition until a time of reformation until a time when God breaks all that off and begins to reform our thinking. I think we're living in one of those times now. The, the word that is translated time there is kairos, which, which indicates that, that God has seen that at this time he can make this change and there's a significant number of his people will catch it. So that's sobering to me because I've, I've watched church history and studied it I studied it quite a bit for years, and one thing I noticed is that everything that we have titled as a move of God has been different than the past one. But yet the people that experience the current move of God are the ones that most uh, avidly resist the next move. Because they don't want to change their thinking. They want it to be like it was before. And it, just as a quick example of that, those of you that have been around Pentecost for a long time and even some charismatic circles, and there is a difference, um, you remember that we've spent a lot of weeks and months and hours praying for another Azusa Street. Can I tell you we're not ever going to have another Azusa Street? never going to look like that again. It was what we needed then. It's what God used to get some things going. But if we're praying that way, then we're not praying the effectual fervent prayer. We're praying ineffectively. And so we need to be aware of those things. And I believe, like I said, that we're at one of those Kairos times in history right now. That if the church will catch this, we're going to see one of the greatest, if we must say it this way, moves of God. I don't know any other way to say it. The reason I resist saying that is because God's always on the move. We just got to get on board. But we will see one of the greatest uh, results that the church has ever seen if we catch this one. The population is greater. There's a lot broader expanse of Christianity now than there's ever been. But we need to catch what God is doing these days. And... I, we went to a uh, conference in Omaha. My, I need these communication classes. No, I'm really trying to catch God, catch the voice of God as I move along here. But we went to some of these classes in Omaha. And one of the young men that taught there, the only young man that taught there, uh, <laughs> was something he said was captivating to me. But he was being very, very much... Uh, respectful of his pastor, wouldn't even tell us what town or what church, what the name was. None of us asked, but he was careful not to mention that. But this young man has been working with the, the uh, 
discipleship movement that's happening across the world. And we, we saw on Tuesday night a film from, that is a documentary of what's happening in Iran and Indonesia. But this young man has been part of the one that's happening in Europe, and in India, Indonesia, Vietnam, South America. He's, he's literally been all over the world working with this. And he was so respectful, but he said, I've attended the same church He's talking about a church building now. I believe he called it brick-and-mortar establishment. He said, I have attended the same one for more than 10 years, and I've brought back all of these testimonies from what's happening around the world. And said, my pastor has been very impressed, but he's always said, I don't know if the people are ready for that. And he said, now 10 years in, He's finally started to take one of the small Sunday school rooms and teach people about how to disciple people. And that's just a small illustration of how resistant the Christian world is to the change that is necessary to reach our culture. And it's not just the African culture. It's not just the Iranian culture. It's what do we have to change and how do we have to look at things differently to reach our culture. And I want to talk about that for a while this morning, but just to point out that there's no other time in the history of the United States when we've been so surrounded by our mission field, our place of harvest. It's never been like this before. Now, to make more effective a later illustration, let me talk for a minute about the preacher's of this world system. And no, don't get in your mind some radio preacher, some uh, TV evangelist. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the preachers of this world system. Those that use the media to promote fear. Those that actively use whatever, um, whatever way, whatever venue they have to come against God and God doing anything. These preachers are those that would like for us as the church to hear their voice and to respond according to what they're promoting. Now, for them, it might be either conscious or unconscious, but they have an anointing. Understand that. I did not say they have the anointing, they have an anointing. The Bible teaches us that the whole world is in the power of the evil one. And when we begin to understand that the word power there is another is a derivative of what we would use for the word anointing. But these people want us to believe that all of the people that are coming in our borders now are here to kill us here to take over, here to destroy our economy. And the, way, the reason that it's effective is because there's some truth there. But not all of those people. Matter of fact, a very small part of those people. Yes, it might be a very vocal part of those people, but it's a very small part of those people. Now, I just, I'm just going to lay this out here because God has been deeply, deeply pushing me on this. Um, and not only do we buy in and think, oh my Lord, what's going to happen to us? We have all of these people coming in and all of this and all of that. But we literally begin to hate them. And here's what I mean by hate. We begin to count them of no value to us. 
And we just, we're just able to just kind of push them aside. I see all kinds of evidence of this, and I'll use an illustration out of my own life just to show you that, well, maybe, maybe you're better at it to, at this than I am, but I see things that make me think, I'm not sure we need all these refugees in Kirksville. And here's, here's, here's the example. I watched as there was a, a certain lady that would pull over into the fire lane at Walmart and she would sit there for a couple hours on payday. People from her uh, country, culture, would come to her and they would receive something from her and they would hand her something. And I was telling Chelsea, there's a big drug running thing happening right here under our noses. That, that thing couldn't be anything else. What did I do? I immediately went to what had been put in my mind. But do you know what was really happening? If these people don't yet know how to operate in our culture, this woman is helping them. She pulls up there with Walmart's permission and she receives, when they cash their check, she receives the money from them to take care of their rent, to take care of their utilities, and to put some aside for food, and they receive a receipt. She's helping. She's, she's helping them to learn how to do this and to be responsible. But to me, because I counted her of no value, I just immediately thought, this, this woman's peddling drugs. You see how easy it can be? One person out of a culture has a wreck, and what do you hear around town? None of those people can drive. You see, we're buying into the preachers of this world system. When God is asking us, stand apart from that and look at this like I see it. Allow yourself to see this in a different way. So we respond to the, the radicals, the purveyors of fear. And the reason I call them preachers is because we as preachers of the gospel try to be just the opposite. We try to be radicals, but we try to be purveyors of faith instead. But then we become purveyors of fear. And I'm telling you, this is happening all across our nation in the pulpits of America as people get up and they, they preach bipartisan messages. And I'm telling you, that should never happen in the church because what you're doing is getting yourself into a position where you can never minister to that side because you've taken a stand on this side. And my stand is neither side. My stand is the kingdom of God. And that has to be who we are as kingdom people. You say, well, I'm, my family's always... Come, come on. If your family's always been that, it's probably why they're unsaved. Probably why they're not making it. Get it right and see if you can win them. Historically, people who change their life and begin to act like Christians win their families. I tell you, God hasn't been easy with me on this. So I'm probably not going to be that easy to listen to this morning. But why have the masses come here? Why have they come here? You say, oh, well, it's just because we're soft. Maybe. But why would God have softened us? You say, well, it's not God. Does the Bible not say that God is in control of all things? And that he oversees even the most despicable government of the world. I'm telling you, the Bible says it. And if it says it, we've got to deal with it. Is it possible that we can trust the Holy Spirit in this thing? In Iran, as we saw, there is mass 
masses of people coming to Christianity. And I mean, I'm talking about many, many thousands. Now, some of those people, families of those people, have migrated here. Now, are we going to panic and say they're here to kill us, they're here to destroy our, our culture as we know it? Or are we going to engage those people and understand there is a cultural difference? Now, they're not going to be all shucks about things like I am out of being out of Oklahoma, but they're going to have a desire. And could it, would it be possible that we just trust the Holy Spirit that He might empower us to reach them? That all these people might be coming across the border from Mexico not because they have a, have a desire to take our jobs and destroy our neighborhoods, but because they're literally seeking what they look across the border and see, and that is a culture that is blessed. And they're so hungry for that. You see, I've seen it from their side of the river. And I stood and talked to them, and I realized that probably 95% of those have no desire to sell drugs here, have no desire to bring the cartels here. Man, they just want a life. And you know, this, this thing with, with Ruby needing prayer, is I, I stood there thinking, yeah, she's under pressure all the time. They, she gets followed by gangsters. She gets followed to her workplace and gets followed home. So there's a, there's a cost. But still, she and Rafa are living for Jesus big and large. They're, they're out there doing it. And those people that work with them are doing the same thing. So these kind of people... Some of them would like to come here. Would it be possible that God might send, send some of them here as missionaries? <laughs> yeah, could be. I remember meeting a man from South Africa many years ago down at a mission in Tulsa. And I stood there astounded then because he told, I said, why are you here? And he said, oh, I'm, I'm a preacher of the gospel. And, and he was, man, he's barely making it. He'd get a little job here and a little job there. And I, he wasn't getting any place to preach. I said, why are you here? And he said, God sent me here. He said, America needs more missionaries than any country on earth. And I, I was humbled at that moment and have remained so as I realized that he's probably right. God probably did send him here. Now, let me, let me go this a little further with this. I'm hoping to leave you with more questions than answers this morning. <coughs> Might this be the reason we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Baptized, filled, and empowered? rather than to have Shababa services and have big uh, things where, where lots of people are up for healing lines? Could it be this is why we're empowered? Could it be this is why? That we had this, had this massive move of God around the turn of the century and, and people began to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and their lives so radically changed. I'm telling you, when I got saved and baptized in the Spirit, my life changed. I didn't go around looking for a lot of excuses as to how I could keep on sinning. I met this man Jesus and suddenly I was looking for ways to, to obey and then I discovered something in Scripture that said He desires obedience rather than sacrifice. In other words, rather than, rather than all of the, well, I'm going to throw some money at that mission or I'm going to fast for, for three weeks or this and that, rather than that, He, he said, I, I just want obedience. <laughs> obedience to what? Obedience to Jesus. Did he, did he or did He not say, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Oh, but He went away. 
He just shifted dimensions, folks. You don't think he's here? Listen to the testimonies of people that have seen him. And they had no question who he was after they seen him. They'd never seen him before. But when he showed up to them, it was Jesus. He said, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Now, we, we doctrinate that. Indoctrinate that. Or try to indoctrinate our people. We, we say, well, that's just the Holy Spirit. Well, first of all, how can you ever say just when you're talking about the Holy Spirit? Second of all, if He, if he desires to manifest Himself as Jesus, i got to be okay with that. You say, well, I've never seen Him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just observing some things here. Is it possible when Father sent His Son to live as a man, to die as a man, and to live empowered by the Spirit, to die and be resurrected, empowered, was it possible He, he was saying, Church, this is the way I'll work. I want you to live according to what I speak to you. I want you to die when it's time to die. And I want to empower you to do what I'm doing. And that's the way I work right now, and that's just the way it is. Is it possible? Why is it that in some of the countries of the world that we would never think that God would be moving, that thousands are coming to Jesus? Listen to Denise Craigbaum talk about what she saw in India. Now, Doug's like me. He goes through that thing. He sees some of it, but most of all, he's focused on the deal. He's focused on, on helping the other leaders, getting it done, getting it out of there, and going to another location. Denise, for the first time, was immersed in the culture of India. She said, I never saw suffering like that. But I never saw people so dedicated to telling other people about Jesus. Think about that. Right in the middle of the squalor. No, God's not dumping dollars into their system. But right in the middle of the squalor, this beggar's telling another beggar where they found bread, and that's at Jesus Christ. Why can't we do that? Because, we, well, I'll, I'll talk about this later on in the message, but let me just say that. Say this. Have we been so focused on the content of our preaching that we've forgotten the people we need to reach and who we need to preach to? I love the silence. It, 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 just, it brings you to a depth of thinking that we have to embrace if we're going to move on with Him because God still loves this nation, folks. Nothing in this nation is by accident. It's all opportunity. Will we suffer in it? Yeah, probably. But that's a doctrine that's been much overlooked in the American church. There's something about if you suffer with Him, you'll reign with Him. Um, can we count on the Spirit working when, when we just do the bare bones Word of God? Can we count on that being inspired like Paul said it was? Can, can we count on that being the, the, something that is so powerful and sharp, stronger, uh, it's powerful and strong, str sharper than any two-edged sword? 
this cutting between the, our thought processes and the spirit of man, touching the spirit of man and then beginning to affect our processes. Can we count on that? If so, it'll be through us. It probably won't be happening any other way. Now, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm hoping to leave you with more questions than answers this morning. And I, I'm going to have, I have asked that Mary and Joel both read one passage of Scripture, the same passage of Scripture. Now, here's why I'm doing that. I want you to see how you gather from somebody speaking aloud the Word of God. And then that same Scripture coming again, and as it's read again, I want you to see that there's even more of the insight that happens as it's read again. And we're, we're going to try to, I, I, don't, I should have asked Leslie or Chelsea to explain this part of it, but if you have questions, put them on the church page or send them to Leslie or send them to Chelsea. And some of us will try to blog about those questions and answers and, and start to work this out to where... Because ultimately, out of a series of messages that we're going to be doing, we, ultimately, we want you to come out of this with confidence that I can share this gospel. And sometimes that's just as simple as just reading it and letting people respond. Sometimes it's more complex than that. Sometimes I need to hear what he's saying and say what he says and then shut up and let people respond. Everything that we get into conversationally is not a teaching venue. Every time God begins to touch a man or a woman to preach the gospel is not a pulpit venue. We ought to get out of that in this nation. So... Uh, if you guys would, whichever one of you want to be first, just read that Romans chapter 10, verses 6 through 17, and read it all the way through, and then the other one immediately fall in and read it. But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith which we are preaching. <coughs> confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same is Lord. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not, however, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord who has believed our report. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. <coughs> But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring, G bring Christ down. 
Or, who will ascend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. But if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who, came, who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Now, there's no need to show hands, but just think a minute how many of you actually heard something in that scripture that you haven't noticed before. I've read those scriptures well over a hundred times. And I caught things there, just listening, that I hadn't caught before. And I'm not going to go through those things. But if you caught some of those things, then make note of that to Leslie or to Chelsea. And, and then somebody will, will write something and post it for a blog about those things. But one of the things that stands out to me is there seems to be, as you get down to verse 17, there seems to be a shift. It starts talking about the, the, the scripture as it's already established, basically. But then that shift comes because nobody had seemed to pay attention to that. The shift is the faith comes by hearing, comprehending, and hearing by the word of Christ. And the word is the always speaking, always expressive, not the rhema word, but the logical word, line upon line word of all of God's expression. And this, the indication is you begin to hear God. Now, there's so many things begin to happen. We've, we've worked, as we're, as we're developing these teachings, we've worked out of Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 10 some, and Leslie will probably refer to that more, but... One of the things that I was thinking about this morning as I was preparing this is how just reading through that passage of Scripture, the dozens of times we have since, we, since we've looked at this, been looking at this, but Jesus says that you go, I mean, the translation says that you go into the cities where I will come. But the original reads a little bit different than that. The original seems to be you go and I'll come with you. That's what the original seems to indicate. Hey, you go. You pray. You, you bathe this thing in prayer. And, and what you hear me say, then you go, and I'll come with you. That's pretty, that's pretty good stuff, isn't it? Now, you say, well, I've got the Holy Spirit. Of course, he comes with me. But what if Jesus shows up to this person? What if, what if they see this man, Jesus? I, I've seen him represented in several ways. 
And just let me say that picture is on the wall, probably not him. Uh, <laughs> but think about that. What if you're talking to someone about your experience and instead of seeing you and comprehending you, something begins to happen in their spirit that there's a division between their side, their, their will, their emotion, their mind. There's a division there and it touches them in their spirit and all of a sudden the things of their soul begins to change. What, what, what if that happens? Right now we're living in a time where there have been so many prayers on so many levels answered. And I've been asking God about that. Has any of you been doing that? I mean, I've heard more testimonies of answered prayer over the past probably three years than I've heard all the other times put together. And I started asking God about that. I said, well, God, is this just a time when you're, when you're answering prayer more quickly than before? And he said, nope. Yeah, he talks Oklahoma English for me. And he said, nope. I said, okay, then you need to talk to me. He said, I've always been willing. But you don't get me to answer when you're just getting somewhere and hiding away and praying at me for an hour. But when you actually begin to communicate with me, then I'll answer your prayer. Boy, did that convict me. Man, did that convict me. Because I'm not going to point the finger at anybody except myself, but how many times have I felt that I need to pray so I'll just, I'll just what they call lock myself away. I don't do that. I sit in a recliner, but I'll sit there and under my breath going, Shabbat, I don't accept that. Man, I ain't praying. Hear me. I'm doing a religious exercise trying to, trying to make my conscience feel better about not praying rather than sitting there and saying, well, talk to me. I've got this situation. My, my brother, my sister has this situation. God talked to me. And then maybe if I speak in tongues, that's fine. But how many times have I just... And I can't answer the question because it's been too many to count. That I've felt the urge to pray, but somehow pushed it aside by the Shababa thing that I do, almost by rote and ritual and habit. I know you don't do that. But I'm just laying it out there to say it's easy to get there. Rather than taking a minute, and sometimes just a few seconds, to become so aware of the presence of God and start to talk to Him. And yeah, even in your most vulnerable situation, where you're in a situation where, where you know that you're, you're, you're not being obedient, you're not living like God wants you to live, and you don't even want to talk to Him, afraid of what He'll say, even in that time. If you'll just begin to say, God, I know you're here. Would you help me? Would you strengthen me? Well, Lord, would you help me to walk out of this? Would you help me to obey? Would you, would you just help me? I'm telling you, folks, he'll do it. He will help you when you communicate with him and not at him. Now, like I say, I know nobody else can identify with that. But... Um, Do you think that Jesus might ask us a question like this? What is the good news? We talk about, well, I'm, I'm sharing the good news. What is the good news? What is it? Is it good news to meet with somebody and say, you know, you're going to go to hell, but I can help you pray this prayer. You see the picture that paints of God, of a God just sitting there waiting. He's going to take them out, but He's given them one opportunity. If they just pray a prayer, then, then it'll all be okay. 
Folks, that's, that's not the God I've come to know. I just want you to know that. That's not the God I've come to know. The good news is we have a Savior and that God sent Him to die for us and that the, he, give, he has given Him power and authority over everything and that if I will walk with Him, He'll help me not only get through my mess, but get out beyond my mess. That's good news. That's good news. They might follow on a pathway of discovery for months before they finally realize, you know what, I'm going to take Him as my Savior. I've discovered something that's real. I'm going to take Him as my Savior. But it's good news when we begin to tell them, you know, I see that you have a mess. But I'm telling you this, Jesus will help you through it. He'll help you get by it. He'll help you out of it. Now, there's so many things that we've, we have translated a little off. And then we have built doctrine around that translation. Just like that Jesus now has all authority and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. You know what the original word picture is there? That Jesus realizes that he has all authority. And now he's relaxed as the person, the, the position of authority on this earth with Father. It's not, a, it's not a picture of Jesus in the recliner looking at things saying, ah, it'll be cool. No, he's saying he recognizes the authority he has. And he's relaxed about that. Father's got this under control. Holy Spirit's got this under control. I'm going to help them. I'm going to get them through. I'm going to, I'm going to help them reach their world. Folks, it's, it's just, it's hard, isn't it? Because we've, we've had all of this, this stuff where we've been so careful about content and we've been so focused on, on how we present things that we've forgotten that that's beyond the, the normal person that comes in off of the street and sits here. That's beyond their comprehension. They go away thinking, wow, that was deep. I want you to know the last thing I want people to think about my preaching is that was deep. I want them to think that's something I can grab hold of that'll change my life. That's what I want them to do. And we've got to start thinking about that. You know, when Jesus called his disciples, consider this a minute now. Did he say, come on, we're going to put you through seminary? And then we're going to put you out there? But, but, but first, you've got to... You know, you, you, you got to get these things out of your life and pray this prayer. They're not even going to take you in seminary. He had, Jesus had supreme confidence in the Holy Spirit. And he said to these guys, come on, follow me, and I'll make something of you. And that seems to be the way God wants to work. Come on. I know that our names are never going to be up in lights. I know that TBN's not going to be calling. But come on, follow me, and I'll teach you about life. I'll teach you how to pray. I'll teach you how to search the Scriptures. I'll teach you how to live. I'll teach you, I'll teach you what I know about taking care of kids. I, I, come on, I'll teach you something. But because we haven't been obedient, we've been hesitant to tell people that. We've been saying, come to church. 
and Mike will teach you something, or the pastor will teach you something, or the Royce will teach you something, instead of saying, come on, follow me. And between me and Jesus, man, we'll make something out of you. I remember when I first got saved how hard I looked for somebody that would take me alongside because I did have a lot of uh, uh, potential. And the people that were around me recognized that potential and they wanted to exalt that potential and they put me in leadership way too soon. Uh, I didn't know anything and it showed. And thank God for the gracious people that listened and it helped to push me along. But I looked for somebody and couldn't find it because everybody was, everybody was building their own deal. But then I started to find somebody, some people that were worried about building the, the kingdom of God and establishing the kingdom of God on earth. And they began to nurture me and it changed everything. People that weren't, didn't care if their names were known across the world, but they should have been because they had established churches and, and little cores of believers literally all over the world. One of those guys named Clark, Clark Taylor out of Australia. Most of you have never heard that name unless you've heard me say it. Most of the world's never heard that name, but I can tell you the 350 plus churches that he and his followers established, they heard of him because it changed their life, changed their world, changed their nation. And I can point to those things too. Um, you see, we, we really have this one distinct message. Christ has come, and he came for everyone. This, this anointed one has come. And, and God's word is in constant motion. And if I, if I feel inept, then I can read the word, because we, we have that, and what a blessing it is. If I feel more confident, I can hear him speak, and it'll be within the confines of the written word, and I can speak that conversationally. But it's one distinct message. Uh, just consider this for a moment. Is, is most of what we try to do more about the knowledge of good and evil? Or is it more about life? Too many people become convicted about the knowledge of evil. And so they try to climb the other side of the tree, which is the knowledge of good, and become, if not more destructive than the knowledge of evil, at least equally, and they forget about all we really want to know is what brings life to these individuals that we're working with. What can I say that'll bring life? What can I be that'll bring life? How can I just be alongside them and know that life is emanating from me? Because that seems to be his plan. So who's the preacher? The preacher's just one that listens and listens closely and hears God and then takes it to their sphere of influence. People who will hear them. As I've studied this, and I have not spent just a few days studying this, I've studied this now for some years because I knew we had to change. I knew it. I, I, I could see the American church needing to shift and, and that it wasn't shifting. And, and then I began to realize there's, there's one time, I won't take time this morning to, to play it all through, but one time I was literally confronted by a being from God. I, don't, I can't say, was it, a, was it a, a, an evidence of Jesus or was it an angel? I don't know. But somebody sat down on my bed and talked to me. He said, this is going to cost you. If you follow this way, it's going to cost you. I said, what will it cost me? He says, 
Right now, it'll cost you your friends. It'll cost you your position with the organization you're a part of. And it'll cost you everything. But I'm telling you, I was vibrating with the power and the presence of God. And out of that, I, I just said, okay, lead me, show me, here we go, let's do it. So we began to look at it and realizing that out of that, I had to say what God was saying. Out of that, I had to make a conflict just just so you guys will have a little understanding, there's a lot of activity going on in church parking lots these days. Mike is one that's, that's helping to oversee it. Uh, Dickie is. And we're setting up more of a, a group that will be available to just, just walk out at this point and to make people know that we're watching. Because it, no matter what, it's happening. So, um, But understand that the preacher is not about years of Bible school. And it's not about an election based on how much you know. But it comes from spending time in knowing God and then beginning to speak out of that. Because the very word means, say what God is saying. Um, so many people, so many people, think that they can't do that. Folks, it's not about being here. It's not about being here. It's about being effective here. And going out of here knowing if you know Jesus, even if you just know him just a little bit, you already know more than most of our culture knows now. Because the preachers of this world has convinced them that there's no hope for our nation. You know what? Here, here's the thing. I don't know what the hope for our nation is. But I know the kingdom is not shaken at all by these things. And there's great hope in the kingdom of God. Great hope. And that's what we move, move forward with with people. With the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness. Believe what? Believe that Christ has come. Because if I believe God actually sent His Son and that He rose again from the dead, then that's going to cause me to have more of a right relationship with God. And if I have more of a right relationship with God, then I'm going to have more of a right relationship with you. And that's righteousness. Right with God, resulting in becoming more right with men. So with the heart, you believe, resulting in righteousness. And righteousness is simply that. Heaven has invaded earth and then never went back. Heaven opened and began to show itself forth on this earth. And I can't ever find where it all withdrew and closed in. God is still establishing His kingdom, or the representation of His kingdom on earth. Now, isn't this really what, where faith comes from? Is that we hear God in what He's doing, and as, as you interact with God, uh, haven't you noticed that faith comes? I've noticed the more I truly interact with God, the more I express to Him not just problems, but how grateful I am. That for my family, for I, I'll tell you what, I express regularly how grateful I am for the people that attend this church. You don't know it, but I keep trying to tell you, you're unusual. This is not, this kind of representation of God is not available everywhere. You say, oh, but the numbers, 
That's not what it's about. How many of you can raise your hand and say, I do some ministry to someone outside of this house at least every week? Many of us. Always. Always. And it seems like God opens that door and God brings them to us. And, the, you know, when you begin to hear God, there's a rock-solid substance that comes to your spirit. And that faith is the substance. And there's an evidence that the Creator is work, at work in you because you're changing. Do you realize that to change from the person of not knowing God to the person that does know God has to be an act of the Creator? He's creating something fresh and new in you. Now faith is the substance of that relationship and the evidence of that relationship. So understand that faith is not being able to quote all the scriptures. It's not being able to get everybody healed. Well, we live in the tension of two realities. One is the reality that we live in every day in which we can, we can work together with God to see His expression. The other reality is what is ultimately to come where we live forever in the presence of God. And we, we so struggle because we can't bring that forever reality into this present reality all the time. Don't struggle with that. Think of the wonder of the times that it happens. And it's because you communicated with God or somebody communicated with God. It's not because you had the best worship team. It's not because you had the biggest crowd. It's because somebody heard God and expressed it on earth. <coughs> yeah, that present reality will someday be reality. And it's very real. But we need to quit accusing God. We need to quit worrying about the preachers of this world and what they will think. What if I pray for this person and it doesn't happen? Well, what if it does happen? And what if God puts something at work that literally changes them as they go along? This is something that comes very, very close to home for many people. I'm thinking of Karen Elsie this morning as she works and ministers to Bill's family where they again lost lost uh, his brother, Furl. Um, how Karen needs to be so aware of the presence of God as she deals with this. Because she's just getting healed up and, and is a long ways from that. You, and, and knowing that, that God is God in spite, of, in spite of what contradictions we live with, but at the same time dealing with others. Could be that's the most pure form of ministry. It's when you're just hurting like crazy, but you realize the Spirit of God wants to minister to somebody else, and you rise above that thing and realize that there is a reality of suffering with Him and reigning with Him. Folks, we've just got to adjust it in this nation. A lot of our doctrine could not exist except in an affluent nation. And we've got to take a look at it and see what that is. I mean, it's so difficult to try to bring uh, the kind of faith that has been taught here into the mountains even of Mexico, let alone the slums of India. But the doctrine of Jesus dwells among us full of grace and truth. That can be, that, that can be preached. That can be taught. That in spite of your circumstance, 
Jesus dwells among us. He has come and, and He's represented in us and, and, and the Word is still becoming flesh. It's still living in me. It's still full of grace and truth. And yes, I might not have everything that, that the charismatic world thinks I should have, but it seems like I'm doing okay with Jesus. It seems like me and Him are still getting some things done. That's the way we need to learn to live. And when we will adjust that and quit worrying about the way it's accepted, because who do you want to be accepted by? God or the religious world? That's something God spoke to me this morning. He, he says, who do people worry most about? The people around them or me as far as their opinion? I said, yeah, God, I hear you. They don't worry about you. They worried about what Joe Christian or, or somebody else is, is going to say about how they're living for you. And he said, well, it'd be real good if they'd start thinking about how I see them. Because I see them as carriers of the gospel, deliverers of the good news. And I chose that way to take them. I chose that way for them to live. And out of that, we'll change our world. Here's the thing about this. I've heard this said over and over, and I've, I've heard the numbers, and one of these days I'll get them and give them to you. But if we really begin to reach our world, if you just reach one of your world, and you take that and teach them, and they reach one of theirs, and then you reach another one, in 15 years, we'll reach the population of the world. We've been working at this other way for over 2,000 years. and hasn't gotten us very far down the road. But Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. If you'll do it this way, then you'll change the world. And how many of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Sometimes it's an embarrassment for people. But how many of you will look inside and say, you know, I was really changed when Jesus came into my life. Man, I, for me, I was so changed. It didn't show up on the outside for quite some time, honestly. But on the inside, I was so changed because somehow He made Himself real to me. And I can't say that I seen Him and all of that stuff, but somehow He made Himself so real to me that I realized that He really would accept me just like I was and work with me to change that. Now, I had been to seemed like a million services all at once. I'd sat through a lot of preaching. Sat through a lot of things where people were, and that's back in the days where people would come back to you and squat down beside you and try to guilt you into coming forward. If you did come forward, they'd begin to yell over your shoulder and sling spit all over you. Yeah, that kind of experience. But somehow, out hunting deer, standing around a campfire. This simple statement. I said, you don't, there's no in-between. You either serve God or you serve the devil. That's not even in the Bible. But somehow the Spirit of God was on that, and it got me. I mean, it got me. I couldn't sleep that night. I was out laying beside a log waiting for deer. And I know that's not Christian, but... <laughs> I was going to shoot something. And God got me right there because I realized, man, I don't want to serve the devil. I don't think God likes me, but man, I don't like the idea of serving the devil. And he had me. 
No scripture quoted. Just a man being obedient to God. Now let me ask you, think you can live like that? Takes a lot of the pressure off. You don't have to memorize. And I'll confess this, I'm not good at memorizing. I'm not good at all. And I'm glad I don't have to memorize to get to heaven. But just hear what he says and maybe read some scripture with somebody and don't try to push them to make a decision. Just believe that maybe the Holy Spirit will do the pushing. Maybe the Holy Spirit will do the preparation. Maybe He will have already prepared a table before you right in the presence of your enemies and already have it all set. Maybe. Talking to my brother recently, and he's, he just re- finished preaching a message that he had titled, Even Though... He's talking about the 23rd Psalm, Even Though I Walk Through the Valley. Even Though. Even Though. How many of you have lived in that? I've lived there. It's a valley of the shadow of death. But He's with me. He's with me. And I'll tell you what, when you know He's there, death is not a big deal. Father, thank You. Thank You for the conviction. Thank You, God, for what You're doing in Your people, not just here, but around the countryside. Lord, help us to engage with You. And God, help us to lean hard into obedience, realizing that obedience is what You desire because that's all that can get us out of the mess we're in. Thank You, God, for Your Word. Thank You for Your Spirit. Thank You for Your direction. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for getting out on a cold morning.